0: What is up? Welcome back to the Pac-Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything about athletics, episode 126. My name is Matt Heff, and I'm with my co-host Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, it's draft day. Well, actually, not technically. We're recording this on Tuesday, but by the time you listen to this, it will be NBA draft day. My fa- One of my favorite times of the year, the NBA, the best professional sports league in America. I will be taking no other opinions at this time. And it's so cool. They call it an association instead of a league. That's kind of cool. But anyways, we're not going to be talking about the draft specifically, although I want to, What we're not going to. We're going to be talking about Nevada's own Jalen Harris potentially getting drafted in the NBA draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been making some noise throughout these last couple months, which we'll definitely get into. And following that absolutely toward campaign he had with Nevada basketball last year, Really put him on the map, and he showcased his offensive skill set, to say the least. So I wish him the best. I know we'll each give our perspectives to whether he'll be drafted or not. But either way, like you said, yeah, the NBA draft, while I prefer the NFL draft. That's also
0: a very good one.
1: I would take that one more. I think there's more impact, but the NBA draft, especially with those... First five picks, the lottery and stuff. Yeah, it's it's exciting, to say the least.
0: Especially right now, the NBA is in just absolute chaos. Drew Holiday getting traded for five picks, plus George Hill and Eric Bledsoe. Well, three three first-round picks and two pick swaps. Trevor Reza and two first-round picks getting traded for Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. We got Bogdan Bogdanovich getting traded from Sacramento for... Dante DiVincenzo, Vincenzo, two second-round picks. No, DJ Wilson. DJ Wilson,
1: former Michigan. Ersan
0: Ilyasova, like... There's been just Chris be, Paul to the Suns. Yeah, Chris Paul to the Suns. There's been absolute just chaos going around the Jake league right Hardy now. So
1: team's trades. Russell Westbrook getting out of Houston. It's gonna be crazy.
0: Yeah, it's draft night might be crazy. I know you're a Warriors fan. Your team might trade their pick. No one knows yet. I'm a Heat fan. I don't know if we're gonna trade our pick yet. But we're not here to talk about that. I know.
1: Before we get into we're drink, not here to we talk are about not anything. bandwagons. Just get that no. out of the way. No, we're not. Okay, Monte Ellis will always be my favorite player. And Matt talks about his Luke Babbitt. Miami Heat jersey all the time I don't you do but okay I wear it
0: a lot but I don't
1: so I'm just trying to throw that out there okay I've been a Warriors fan since 2009 in fact playing them on 2k11 sorry (laughs) back to Nevada
0: but anyways just to give a perspective on what Jalen Harris did last year he averaged 21.7 points per game 6.5 rebounds per game 3.9 assists per game he averaged 1.1 1.1 steals and 0.1 blocks. He shot 44.6% from the field, 36.2% from the three th- from the three-point line. He had a 56% effective field goal, per- or no, he had a 56% true shooting percentage, a 51.3% effective field goal percentage. So he's a decently efficient shooter, but he's not super high on a lot of draft on a lot of mock draft boards or on just a lot of big boards in general. He is number 70 on CBS CBS Sports Big Board. He's number 69 on Sports Illustrated, 74 on ESPN, 62 on N- NBADraft.net, number 70 on The Athletic, and the only one he's really high on in the top 60 is the rookie wire, which is he's number 46. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's not getting a lot of hype in terms of ranking.
0: He's a junior. He'll be a little bit older. I think he'll be 22 by uh, when when the draft comes tomorrow.
1: And I know, especially in the NBA draft, since there's only two rounds, a lot of teams swing for the fences in terms of youth and potential. They like their teenagers. They like seeing them develop and giving them three years. So by the time, hopefully, they're 22, they're established NBA players. But at the same time, you can't ignore Jalen Harris's scoring resume, Mm-mm. the amount of tools he has at his disposal. He showed him on display. His athleticism, his first step, his shooting touch that he improved upon throughout the All of last season, you saw glimpses of it where he would just be able to pull
0: up from 32 to 35 feet with ease. Do you know how far 32 and 35 feet is? I don't know if he did that. That's way beyond the three-point line, my guy.
1: Watch the tape.
0: 17 feet is like a mid-range jumper. And in college, the three-point line is shorter than the NBA. 32 and 35 feet is my. might I could be a little
1: off in of those assessments.
0: 30, like 35 feet is like... Is that Steph Curry range? That's closer to half court than it is the three-point line. Is that it? Okay, Yeah, my bad. <laughs> We're just saying like
1: a couple steps by college three-point line, so NBA <laughs> level three-point line. Like I said, I'm a math major. I should know this stuff.
0: You're not a math major.
1: I'm, you can be, though. I'm, I'm going to consider myself a math major, but... You can switch. Are you going to switch? It's too late, Matt. it's not too late. (laughs) Anyways, getting back to my terrible—I sounded like a scout for a second, and then I I say 32 to 35 feet. It just—all credibility goes out the window. But we're just trying to say, from watching, you and I watching, every single Nevada home game last year, there is— it felt like any time Jalen Harris had the ball, he can do anything he wanted on the court. And he just continued to improve his game each and every time. I mean— you saw the flashy dunks, you saw the ability to get into the paint consistently, you started seeing him get into the free throw line, his ability to pull up mid-range. Some of his ability as a passer was really impressive too. I thought he ran pick and rolls quite well. Unselfish player and his offensive skill set, like you said, is hard to ignore. So he's definitely an under the radar name and he's someone to just keep an eye on, most definitely. And that's non-biased aside. He's going to be generating some buzz
0: that begs the question that we've we've all been waiting for do you think Jalen Harris is going to get drafted
1: I am going to say yes and I I just have this feeling for some reason I am not 100% sure when I say this but was Cody Martin anywhere near the top 60 heading into the 2019 NBA draft
0: I got Sports Illustrated's top 100 pulled up right now and he was 65.
1: Okay, so he's still in the same kind of like the same range as Jalen's been on, and he was picked 46th overall, if I'm correct, by the Charlotte Hornets.
0: No, it was earlier than that. 36th. Wasn't it? 36th. Was he 36? I think it was. Yeah, it was around then.
1: We see Yeah, every it was 36. 36th. 36th. I remember trying to break the news. I know Murray beat me to it, but my point is, we see guys, especially in the second round, we see so many organizations take a swing for the fences on guys who are, you know, all boards are different. You know, maybe some team has Jalen Harris in the top fifty. Maybe some has him outside of their top sixty. Maybe some has him in the top twenty. Whatever. It's the fact that, you know, teams are willing to take a chance in only two rounds. And I think Jalen Harris's profile fits the mold of an NBA scorer. And I think a team will take a chance on him in the I would guess the mid-40s to mid to late-50s, so towards the end of the draft and towards the end of the second round, obviously. But I do predict that some NBA team will draft him, just for the simple fact that his name has been buzzing interest throughout these past couple months. And there isn't a better time to do it than showing off your vertical leap. What was that, 37.4 inches?
0: Yeah, it was a standing vertical.
1: Ridiculous. And you're seeing that coupled with the offensive showcase we touched upon. So, I do think he'll be drafted. What do you think, more importantly?
0: I've been asked this by family members, some friends over the recent months. And it's funny because we're, we're living in this world right now where NBA scouts have had multiple extra months to study these prospects. Because usually you would, not scout specifically, but like fans would look at these prospects in March, in the March Madness, and be, okay, like this is who this guy is. This is who this guy is. We didn't have that this year. But scouts, on the other hand, have had seven, eight months class I mean they've been studying this draft class for ever and so we're in this dynamic to where they they're pretty much just like I'm sick and tired of watching these prospects or I'm sick and tired of scouting this guy because we've looked at so many like we've looked at this three times probably that's probably what they're thinking right now and my initial thought is no he won't get drafted but I do like your because only because he's not ranked high on these mock draft boards and there's plenty of other good prospects ahead of him and even behind him but at the same time I brought up this point to people I talked about this with you a, a couple months ago when we were talking off air about it when you put on Jalen Harris's film as an NBA scout how can you not like that you're right he showcased so much and he's been he was one of the best players in the conference he almost won conference play of the year be, behind Malachi Flynn who's projected late first-round pick and so I think there's potential with Harris, as you mentioned. He's been good in the pick and roll. He's been an adequate passer. He's very athletic. Not as great defensively as you would like, but he'll develop. He's quick. I'd like to see him be more laterally quick. He's good at creating his own shot with in and outs, different crossovers, different change of pace. He's a good shooter from all three levels of the field. He's a good, pretty adequate finisher, I would say.
1: No, most definitely. And
0: so, and he's a good rebounder. He averaged six and a half rebounds for a guard.
1: And he has the length, he has the profile to fit right. there. Six foot five, 190, 200 pounds. I know he can possibly add more to his frame, but like you said, I think, I think you brought up a great point. How do you not like the film offensively? Because they've, I'm not had, trying-
0: they've had months to look at this film. If you put on Jalen Harris' film, at some point you have to be like, all right, I can see a team in maybe the 50s being like, all right, like I can swing a pick on this guy. Or a team potentially trading into the second round, late in the second round, being like, hey, I can take a flyer on this guy.
1: And that's where it just all comes down from an organizational standpoint, because all NBA draft classes are loaded with, you know, highly touted freshmen, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. So, you know, I know a lot of NBA franchises like to kind of take a chance on that player and mold them into the player they hope to be when he's 22. But... With that, so obviously that could be a detriment to Harris's case to being drafted, but on the optimistic point of view, Jalen Harris, he's established. You know, I think you can have more certainty as what you're going to get as soon as he steps into the NBA. I think he's able to at least score adequately at an NBA level, and I think he's showcased that at the college level. Just what he's been able to do and what he put on display last year, those four straight 30-point games – it just felt like there was nothing in his way that could stop him. He's just an elite scorer at the college level and I think if an NBA team does take a chance on him, you're getting a you know, a solid product with more room to grow offensively and especially a lot of more room to grow defensively and there's more room to be added with him physically in terms of his frame. So I think there is potential and more floor than ceiling at the moment that gives You know, an NBA team stability at that point to maybe say, okay, this could be more of a surefire selection in the second round. Maybe a team goes super high upside in the first round and gets more of a surefire selection in the second round. And Harris could be that type of player.
0: Do you think that you just mentioned the high floor, low ceiling? Do you think that's the reason why teams are like, all right, you're not number 50 on our board, you're number 70?
1: Yes, most definitely. And I, I just think it's. In a lot of ways, because it's a two-round NBA draft, a lot of players, a lot of teams can swing for the fences, go high upside and say, okay, I'm going to sign him to an undrafted free agent rookie deal and get some of those guys to add to their summer camp roster, G League roster, and have some of those guys. But at the same time, you know, Harris can be more than just that. You know, he can be more than just some sort of 14th, 15th bench slot guy.
0: At the same time... Who the heck, let alone during the draft, but before the draft, knows he's going to get picked in the late second round? I mean, that's... No one does, because it's like, for example, you mentioned the Cody Martin thing and how he was 65 and got drafted 36. Cameron Oliver was a top 50 prospect. He was Uh, ranked 48 on Sports Illustrated, and he was, I think, ranked 49 or 50 by ESPN, and he didn't get drafted. That's a great point. Who the heck knows? Who the heck knows?
1: And in a lot... Yeah. I mean, this is all up in the air at this point. That's why I'm saying Mm -hmm. that he's going to be drafted, because I really do think he's higher up on some boards. In terms of Cam Oliver, I know there was some concerns about his size and overall physicality in the college level that kind of concerned some NBA teams, but I was surprised to see him not get drafted that year. That was... You bring up a good point in that regard. So you're seeing kind of the two spectrums meet each other, so... We'll see with Jalen Harris, but I'm at least, if I had to give a like 100% confidence scale, I feel like 55 to 60% confident that he'll be drafted.
0: I'm lower. I'm at
1: 40%. I don't blame you. See, I, I've been negative and pessimistic all year long on this podcast. No, you it, haven't. In a lot of ways, I have. So, you know, I woke up this morning... I was like, it's time to be optimistic. But then
0: again, who the heck knows?
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's so much uncertainty. And that's what I'm saying. Take a swing. I really do think someone's just going to say, screw it. Take a swing for the fences. I hate using baseball terms, but just go with your gut. And I think a lot of NBA teams are starting to do that on more established college prospects. You know, some who have stayed within the program or stayed in college three to four years and have shown that they have matured physically and kind of filled out their fame to this point, and they can help impact an NBA team in some form or fashion. So in that regard, that can help Jalen.
0: But then again, again, I can also see teams taking chances on, like, I don't know, Lamar Stevens or Trent Forrest or Iakite from Virginia. Like, there's just a bunch of – that's what the NBA draft is. They're just a bunch of great basketball players trying to get a spot.
1: Oh, definitely. The NBA draft is saturated with talent. It's a shame it's only two rounds.
0: Yeah, because... they could take a chance on the Childs or something like John Teske. I don't know.
1: No, I mean, they have
0: a lot of fits.
1: Obviously, when you get to that, you know, that lower end of the second round.
0: Anything can happen.
1: Yeah. And it's not like you're low on selections. There's plenty of prospects available. It's only 60 selections. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of top level prospects. Were draft eligible so it'll be interesting to see hey miami why don't you trade for a second round pick
0: i think it's too late no it's not what are you talking about drafts tomorrow. i, I think the only thing they'll or do or it's draft day today for the people who are listening but i, mean, I think the you can thing... trade for a second round pick trade think... your first round pick i don't
1: think they'll be doing i think i don't be think they'll be either for... but
0: i'm asking yeah. them to maybe pat riley is listening to this podcast shout out pat riley yeah shout out the godfather anyways Let's look at the Twitter poll that we put up asking the same thing whether Jalen would get drafted or not. It was very interesting results. Forty people voted. 23% voted for that he would be a first round pick. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Neither do I. Like you said, I wouldn't, be, never I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't complain. 30% the winner would be the second choice, which was in between picks 31 and 45 in the second round. 28% had 50, had 46 through 60, and then 19, the remaining 19% had undraft.
1: Kind of an even f- mix. But a lot of
0: first-round but... ones. A lot of first-round. Maybe. Mean, I, I don't think he is, but.
1: Maybe teams see his, his vertical scoring ability and just say, screw it. We don't have a second-round pick. You got to take him now. I don't know. But like you said, who knows? Well, we will know. Very soon, but...
0: I hope he gets drafted. That'd be awesome.
1: I certainly hope so, too. I think he has a case.
0: Anyways, now we're going to get into midseason awards, but we'll tackle that after the break. We are back. The midseason football awards. We're at the midseason point. We talked about it on yesterday's podcast. It's just weird to think about. But anyways, let's jump right into it. We're going to do two... Not... Two original awards, team MVP, the defensive MVP, because we got to give some love to the defense. Then the best unit on the team, and we're going to talk about the worst unit on the team. Kind of get some perspective. Anyways, let's jump right into it. Isaiah, who is your team MVP? I'm going to go with quarterback Carson Strong. Just putting
1: up numbers. Wow. Yeah, I know. Surprise, surprise. I'm sorry. But the growth, maturity talent he's showcased over these last four games through the midseason has been you just can't ask for much better and his future is so bright and he's showing some sort of new element to his game I think and some form of confidence throughout each week and he's just been able to string together some eye-popping performances and he's generating some buzz within the Mountain West Conference and there's just, to me that was just a no-doubter right off the bat. You want your leader of the offense, of the team as a whole, to be your team MVP, and he's done that thus far. Now, who do you have as your team MVP?
0: Julian Diaz. I'm just kidding. Close. I mean, that's second in my book. Julian Diaz. Hope you come back soon. But my team MVP is Jacob Gardner. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, my team MVP is Romeo Dubs. 31 catches. 645 yards and eight touchdowns he's been remarkable i don't know if nevada's nevada might be two and two they might be even one and three without dubs just because the wyoming he had the game-winning catch i'm sure someone else could make that catch and then of course i don't know if nevada beats new mexico like that's my biggest conclusion i don't know if nevada beats new mexico without dubs but the thrill of the unknown we might never know but i still i do think the team mvp is romeo dubs so far through the midseason
1: no you make a great point the numbers just like strong the strong dubs connection that we've talked about all year it's on full display and dubs has just been absolutely sensational the numbers he's been putting up are just out of this world and he's going to continue that in many aspects so
0: who's your defensive MVP? i'm
1: gonna go with lawson hall linebacker i mean we heading into this season a lot of questions surrounding the linebacking unit, and Lawson has not only stepped up his performance on the field, but from a leadership standpoint on the defensive end, he's been huge, and just much respect to him. He's made some plays. He's been a big voice in the locker room, and I think he's someone the team really relies upon. They need his leadership and his physicality on the field, and he's done that to this point through the midseason, as we like to say. So Lawson Hall's my pick. Much respect to him. Who is your defensive MVP?
0: I got Tyson Williams. He pick, pick. leads the team in tackles at 27. I know it's kind of a cop-out to pick the team, pick the player who leads the team in tackles, obviously, but he also has a pick. And I just remember just going back to the Wyoming game. That was kind of like the decider for me because he gets ejected for the helmet-to-helmet helmet in the third quarter, and Nevada's defense just went completely just, they just sunk almost. I don't think it was just him in particular, but he makes that impact on the field. He's that safety who can play anywhere in the box. Uh, he can cover deep. He had the tip drill interception against New Mexico that came at a crucial point in the game, and he's just been very important to this defense. I mean, he led the league and led the team in tackles last year with 85. He's just an overall very good player, and as a, at the safety spot, you can pretty much play him anywhere and expect results.
1: Yeah, I mean, his defensive versatility is used all over the field. It's a good pick on your part because he's been sensational this year.
0: All right, who do you think is the best unit on this team?
1: Well, that just ties right in with Tyson Williams. I'm going with the defensive backs. I know in a lot of aspects, Nevada has been thrown upon these past, I just, it seems like so many opposing teams throw for three, 400 plus yards with ease against Nevada these past few years. This season's not the case. And a lot of that is credit to the defensive unit in the backfield. That That sounded really weird, but defensive backs, you know, Burdale Robbins, Tyson Williams, among others, just making plays. You saw Burdale Robbins with that interception against Wyoming to help clinch the overtime victory to send it into overtime and everything like that. But it seems as if the defenses made plays when they needed to. And a lot of that credit goes to the secondary and some of the plays they've been able to make. So in terms of the best unit, I'm going with the defensive backs because they've just been solid and consistent throughout this year.
0: Do you think the reason why the passing game hasn't been as high is because of the quarterbacks that we face? Because Wyoming has a backup quarterback. Utah State just had a quarterback that was kicked off the team that we faced. Max Gilliam got benched on Saturday, and we faced a backup quarterback on Saturday in New Mexico.
1: Hey, we're taking advantage of it. Of course that's the case, but I've seen some quarterbacks throw mucho yards against us that, for absolutely sure. no name yeah. so the fact that we've Castile... seen some sort of improvement from the secondary and the way they've been able to play I'm just been really impressed I think at the point I think you can argue easily there's a few more better units on this team but I just wanted to show some love to the defensive backs for sure
0: for sure no doubt they've made some really nice plays they made some really nice plays against New Mexico they had some really crucial plays against Wyoming especially with that Burdell interception that we keep talking about they had that a couple great plays versus utah state this unit despite the competition they faced have played really well
1: yeah give them the credit what's your best unit on the team thus far
0: i gotta go with the receivers i don't think this is much of a question for me romeo has been absolutely tremendous justin lockhart's been good mel Kwan is finally not finally but he's emerging of course cole turner has been a top 10 receiver in the mountain west and that's even without Elijah Cooks. because it's just a testament to how deep this team is throughout these first four games, and they've been taking advantage of these secondaries.
1: Yeah, definitely, and explosive. mean, it it's it, not just Dubs, that's explosive. I mean, any one of them has a different skill set that can be added to the offense.
0: It makes life so much easier for Strong, who's been incredible this season.
1: Yeah, and much of that is to the success of, you know, wide receivers, being able to separate, being able to make plays downfield, and like you said, it's made Strong look really good, and to his credit, he's looked
0: really good. So yeah. both of
1: them, just been connecting all year.
0: What unit do you think needs some improvement?
1: You know, I want to go back to the... I was kind of flipping between the front seven as a whole, and maybe like the... I was focusing on the front seven. And then I'm bouncing between the defensive line and the linebacking core. I think the defensive line is held... You know, to this part, has held its own in many aspects so I wanted to focus more on the linebackers outside of Lawson Hall this group is really young and inexperienced and we've seen some growing pains throughout these four games midseason as we call it in 2020 thanks but you know there's just more room for growth and improvement and I think that will happen as the year continues and we've seen some you know we've we've seen some signs, I would say, you know, some positive things to take away. But overall I've seen some missed assignments, missed tackles, especially against a few elusive running backs that help hit the hole. So that's one of the things that needs to be addressed and hopefully improves upon as the season goes along is the linebacking unit. Let's switch it to you. What is your unit that needs
0: the most improvement? First off, I still find it interesting how you chose Lawson Hall as your team MVP, but the linebacking go hey Hey, there, there's is some, more than there, more th- there are some growing pains there. and I mean, Henley and uh, Torre have been pretty solid, at least better than I expected through these first four games. But there is some room for improvement on that end. My team that needs – my unit that needs improvement, the offensive line. Easy. They – the first game we saw – first game might have been their best game or against Utah State, but – Overall, we knew there was going to be some growing pains as soon as we knew Miles Beach retired. Gardner hasn't been terrible. We've had some miscommunication on the right side of our line. Our running game, for the most part, has been great, except last week against New Mexico. I guess I'm just kind of using recency bias because New Mexico, we look bad on the offensive line. We looked, We just played poorly.
1: Yeah, the last couple weeks, the offensive line does not look that good.
0: No. It's almost been like you just decreased since the season opener almost.
1: Yeah, it's not and a good trend to be. It's against. not going to get any easier. No, oh my gosh. We haven't faced any defensive front like SDSU next week, and it's only going to get harder like you said. I mean, this line's in for a big, big test. And, no, I'm I'm with you there. I think they really need to improve as a unit in order for the offense and the team as a whole to
0: succeed. Okay, let's transition that into our – we're kind of doing like our like made-up awards, our fun awards. Isaiah, do you want to go first? Yeah,
1: yeah. So my first fun award just – you know, this is kind of like a superlative, but Mr. Automatic, that's going to go to kicker Brandon Talton because as soon as he steps on the field, you already know a PAT is going to be made or a field goal is going to be made. He's just so consistent. He's been able to showcase that over these first two years um strong freshman campaign has only gotten better and improved upon it this year and it just seems as if anytime he steps onto the field I just know ball's going through the uprights we're going to get our points whether that be one or three no matter the distance in a lot of aspects he's automatic so Brandon Talton Mr. Automatic what's your first fun award
0: 14 straight field goals eight for eight on the season my first fun award is the Give Me My Respect Award. And that's going to Melquan these, Through these first four weeks, we've talked constantly about Romeo Dubs, Justin Lockhart, Cole Turner, and one name we haven't mentioned a lot, sorry Austin, was Melquan Stovall. stovel has been pretty good this season, and he was a safety valve against New Mexico. He almost caught a touchdown pass. In the end zone, that he he dropped as he was rolling over into the end zone, or that bobbled out of his hands. So I mean, he could have had six receptions for close to ninety, hundred plus yards and a touchdown. Like he's been, he's been really good this season. He only has three re, three fewer receptions in Lockhart and only forty fewer receiving yards. He's been he's been a good receiver for our team this season. He hasn't it hasn't been the most consistent, but. That's just how deep this unit is. No, you're absolutely he's not right. Always, he's not always going to get five, six, seven receptions, but he has been. He had five against Wyoming, and then he had five this last week.
1: There's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. And Melquan Stovall is good. Like he you is said, good. And you know what? He does deserve some respect. He is really good. You get lost in it. You know, you see the uh, improvement and that kind of like role of Justin Lockhart. You're seeing the position change unlocking Cole Turner's potential. Obviously, Dubs gets the headlines. Stovall does get lost in the mix. So you know, props to you for bringing that out because he's been good and he's kind of like a safety valve for strong.
0: All right, what's your next word?
1: I'm going to stick with the special teams unit. We just touched upon him very, very briefly as a team MVP, but I'm going with the golden cleat and that goes to Julian Diaz. Just some of the punts he's made this year have been absolutely jaw-dropping. I mean, I think about the two he made against Wyoming, the other one that pinned him against Utah State. He's been awesome. And I just think I wanted to give him some recognition because he had big, big cleats. See what I did there? He has big cleats to fill, filling in for Quentin Conaway from last year. And he's stepped up and I hope he gets healthy. And I hope he gets back because he's got a special leg in a lot of aspects. So, yeah, golden cleat, Julian Diaz. I like that one. What is your second fun award? The please shut
0: up. Matt award that's going to two people carson strong and matt mummy i like that (laughs) we've talked this season about (laughs) yes please the, the please shut up matt award carson strong throughout this entire year has been exceptional he's been remarkable but i'll I'd be lying if I said this entire offseason I was wondering if he would develop that tendency to throw the deep ball. In the offseason, I wrote in my position preview, I wrote multiple times that he averaged six yards per attempt. Like, I want to see you throw it down the field. I've been seeing your Instagram videos, Carson, your Instagram stories, where in the offseason you were just posting a couple stories a week on how you were just chucking balls deep, and it was fun to watch. I was like, man, I hope we see more of that this year. And we've seen plenty of it, and I hope we see more. And it's going to Matt Mummy because in the last few games, specifically the third quarter of this last game versus New Mexico, I remember I criticized the use of the Wildcat in week one. They used the Wildcat, and it worked. I was like, what is happening? They used like the first two plays of the second half, and I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Matt Mummy, listened to this podcast, maybe, maybe not, and he's like, we can gain more than one yard. We just gained like four or five yards. We're getting chunk runs. For a little while, it looked like our most consistent run game was coming out of the <laughs> Wildcat.
1: <laughs> and that. at
0: the same time, on the season preview, we criticized Matt Mummy a little bit and be like, hey, get this offense going because they have a lot of talent and a lot of skill, good skill position players. And he's certainly... He's certainly helped out, and I still think Norvell is the play caller. Am I right? Yeah, he is. But But Mummy, Mummy has deserves been, credit. Mummy deserves a whole heap of credit for getting this team prepared week in and week out. And you just—please sh- shut up, Matt. Stop saying I average six yards per attempt. Stop saying the Wildcats sucks.
1: I love that award. <laughs> I love that award I mean that's and you know what you bring up a lot of good points because Strong is you weren't the only doubter of Strong heading into this year in terms of his potential and growth and you know questioning that and he's shown it you know there's a lot of doubters out there
0: if I could have a stamp of an old take, old takes exposed stamp I would just stamp my computer of the, my position be like hey average more yards per attempt whap old takes exposed I don't know if he can throw the ball downfield, whap, up, old takes exposed. Because he's certainly undergone huge development from year one to year two as a starting quarterback of this offense. And hopefully we can see more of that development as the season goes on and as his collegiate career goes on.
1: Most definitely. And credit to Matt Mummy, because I know he gets a lot of heat from many people in his offensive system. But this offense is really taken off this year. It's just been awesome to see, and he deserves a lot of credit, too. So, props.
0: All right, Isaiah, what's your third and final award? My third and final
1: one just goes to, it's called the What Could Have Been Award. As if Romeo Dubs needs any more statistical advantages over the rest of his competition in the Mountain West. But the What Could Have Been Award highlights his potential week one punt return touchdown against Wyoming that was unfortunately called back. On two penalties, one including a block in the back, it would have added just a whole another bevy of statistics to his special teams, and would have added yet another touchdown, more yards, and in that could have you know in that aspect, I just could have think, you know what could have been, as if Romeo Dubs needs more of those statistical advantages and more numbers to pad his stats. But
0: I don't hate your award, but I would say more so in. Like, remember, I think it was either Utah State or UNLV when there was a couple times where he's almost had touchdowns of balls that have just been barely, like, you overthrown. Or New Mexico, in this case, underthrown. Not touchdowns, but big plays, big explosive plays that could have added to his stat sheet. That's
1: pretty funny because this could just be what could have been Romeo Dubs. The, what could have been, like you said, the game he had, 157 yards in the first half, could have had 220
0: Receiving yards in the first time,
1: 137. See, I always get my statistics messed up. Could have had well over 200 if he would have connected on a couple bigger plays from strong and almost up to four to five touchdowns that night. So, you bring up a just solid point. Bare, just oh, barely, just barely
0: overthrown, barely overthrown. But what if he could have reached out and caught yeah. that? What could have been on that in route against New Mexico, where he just ball went right through his hands, where he had green grass in front of him? Could he had another 15, 20 yards or so?
1: You bring up just this award in generals now. Just, yeah, what could have
0: been Romeo Dubs when he's had 645 receiving yards over the first four games? It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible to think what he could have done more.
1: Last but not least, what's your final fun award? The
0: Get Out of My Way award. And this is really to one specific run. And that's to the Toa Tao touchdown versus Utah State. I still can't get that out of my out of my head. How he broke that tackle, and then charged, almost got pushed out of bounds, but somehow stayed in bounds and dragged a dude for a touchdown. There's been points this year where he's been, well, he's been like a bowling ball. I know we didn't see that much against New Mexico, but he still had he still had some good runs. I think he had that what was it, 60 yard run versus New Me- or Utah State mm-hmm. broke free down the sideline, but that run. That
1: twenty-seven yard touchdown or twenty-one yard touchdown?
0: I think it was fifteen, or it was okay around that range.
1: But it felt like he broke a hundred tackles. Literally, one, another, another one. I'm yeah, not, like
0: it was just get out of, of my, my way. To get out of my way. It's just that one specific run is just burned my brain.
1: And I just remember watching that play unfold. I was like, Oh, that was nice. Oh, oh, that was nice. Oh, he's gonna score. <laughs> He's going to score. He did score a touchdown. Wow.
0: In a span of like two seconds, he went from a five-yard gain to a 15-20-yard touchdown. No, that
1: was was easily the best run, in my opinion, of the year. Just the physical nature of it was awesome. Hopefully we see more of that as the year progresses, but that was a fun one. These kind of fun awards are pretty cool to write.
0: We'll probably be doing them at the end of the year, too.
1: Oh, definitely. Eight games in, that's kind of... Sad. I know it's weird saying midseason awards four weeks in, but
0: hold on. I also kind of want to go into to see how well my week one overreactions have aged. Number one on my week one overreactions: Carson Strong can make a run at being a first small mountain West quarterback. That seems like it's aged pretty well. Check. Julian Diaz is the team's MVP. We just mentioned him. <laughs> I mean, that one was just kind of like a joke. It's funny one. I wasn't really like a serious overreaction. going to get a little mini check. He had two seventy-yard punts. That's little mini check. Ridiculous. Come on. It would have been. It would have cre- been better if he's played all four games. A little.
1: Give yourself a little credit. Little mini check. Yeah. Come on. A, little a little mini, mini check. A little mini check. Mini check. That's big praise heaped upon you.
0: And then my final one. It was. This was more of a question, but can Nevada make a run at the Mountain West Championship game? As of right now, that seems pretty bright. 4-0, but we still have a long way to go again, because we got San Jose State, who's been... We I, we I know we've made jokes on the last few podcasts about San Jose State. They've been really good. They've been awesome. They've been exceptional. Brett Brennan's done a fantastic job with that program, turning them around. They They're really good. We got them last game of the season. Hawaii, I don't know. They've been inconsistent, but playing on the islands is always tough. San Diego State, of course, is not going to be easy this week. Like Nevada's got a few tough games coming up. Fresno yeah. State hasn't been, aside from their first game of the season, they've been they've been solid. They've been really good these last few games. Ronnie no, Rivers has been tremendous. Jalen Cropper, this last week, won the offensive player of the week after having thirteen catches or twelve catches for like two hundred yards. This, I
1: I would say to this point, your overreaction. It's you know what. It's becoming. More, I'm not trying to say concrete, but it's it's developing some speed.
0: It's, and it's developing speed, speed, but these next few weeks are going to be tough. This
1: is the real test. I mean, we've beaten up on the competition, and we haven't even looked. You know, Jaden Orville talks about it at every press conference. We're not even where we want to be. We could be so much better. And, yeah, they can be. So these next four weeks are just going to be all the test. But keep an, just keep an eye on that one because right now, Obviously, I can't fill that one yet, but that's that's a box that could still be potentially checked, and that's kind of cool. How your overreactions are kind of getting some traction. It's not just overreaction. One was
0: one was mainly an overreaction that was strong, but Uh, that's aged well, pretty yeah, aged well too. Fine wine. So we'll see. Yeah, he's been. I don't want to say far and away the best quarterback in the conference. No, but because Starkle's been really good. But then again, Strong has a bigger sample size than. Starkle and that could prove to be noteworthy when
1: eight games in. Yeah, eight I mean, games. That's, that's all you can get. But this was fun. I enjoyed this whole podcast from Jalen Harris to mid season awards. I know this was like kinda like more of a kickback one. Jalen
0: Harris. We really hope you get drafted, man. Dude, like, we like, wish you be the best. That'd man. be so awesome.
1: No matter what, in your future career endeavors, we wish you we wish you the best because last without, year without a doubt. Last year had a lot of question marks surrounding it. You know, we weren't expected to perform that well in the regular season. And you were a big reason why the team performed that well. You were just a driving force offensively, an absolute monster. So we wish you nothing but the best.
0: We Yeah, even if he doesn't get drafted, I really hope a team in the undrafted range takes a chance on him.
1: I certainly hope so. And I certainly hope they do. Because, like we've talked about, he's got the skill set. He's got the profile. Let's just see if it comes together.
0: Yeah. Do you have anything
1: more to add? You know, um, Warriors number two pick, let's not mess
0: this up. I mean, it's kind of hard to mess up a number two pick unless no, you trade you can it for mess it up bad. a bad... Num- no, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying, like it's with with who's on the board, it's harder to mess up, but it's easier to mess up if you trade the pick and you don't get enough value in return. We'll see. Or if Just you give up too much value. No
1: matter what happens, let's not mess this up. So
0: The Warriors might not even trade the pick.
1: No, they may stand still and take someone,
0: so yeah. we'll see. Well, well, James Wiseman and San Francisco.
1: Let's hope. I don't know. We'll see. LaMelo? No. Please, Lord, no. If I come back here and the Warriors draft LaMelo Ball, I will not be a happy camper. Watch that become an old takes exposed.
0: Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, thank you for listening. Subscribe. Give us a good rating. Five-star rating, in fact. We will, San Diego State, reminder, 1230 Pacific time on Thursday, or on Saturday. It's not going to be on Thursday. We're going to be recording this on Thursday. We're going to be recording the episode on Thursday. We will see you in a couple days. Thank you for listening again.